We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today joining us is Jonathan Hodge, who's a senior vice president and part of the athlete and entertainment division of UBS Financial Services. Let's jump in and get to know Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome. How are you? Great. I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're excited you're here and hanging with us. For our audience, can you tell us a little bit about Jonathan? Jonathan, where were you born and where were you raised? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was born in uh, good old the state of Connecticut, back east. I'm out here in Los Angeles, so uh, I feel like like back east is a whole other place. But back east in Connecticut, father's side of the family is from the Caribbean, mostly Anguilla and St. Martin. Mother's side is, you know, good old Harlem, so... I uh, spent most of my time in good old Glastonbury, Connecticut, and my summers with my dad in, in Harlem, the Bronx area. Yeah. Did you have a chance to travel at all to St. Martin or Anguilla, or did you have any opportunity to get back and, and see where your family's from? Yeah, that's where I'm moving to, right? We go back a lot. Been going, you know, since I was a young kid, I, I learned to swim in the oceans there. So it's near and dear to my heart. Family has a little bit of a legacy down there. So trying to maintain it, although my family here doesn't necessarily want to have much ownership to the things that we have down there. So I'm fighting to keep them. Yeah. Tell us a, a little bit about that. That sounds like a pretty deep connection and that's that's fascinating. Yeah. So my grandfather in the seventies was on a cruise and went down there, got off the boat, didn't realize the depth of family he was living in New York at the time. The depth of family that he had down there, got off the boat, saw some folks, saw some brother that he didn't even know he had, cousins. Mm. Even the last name is like Smith down there. A lot of Hodges down in that part of the Caribbean. And realized like, why am I in New York? So came back to New York, sold his carpet laying business, sold the house, moved down there and built from there. It's just a, it's a fascinating and great story. Amazing. What was it like growing up, Jonathan, with you know family from the Caribbean and family from New York? How do you think that impacted you? Definitely. I mean, I'm a believer that we're all a product of our experiences, right? So it certainly did shape my beliefs. I, you know, I grew up in a mostly all white town. I think there was one, you know, three other or four other black families, and then we had a good presence of black kids from the ABC, a better chance. So. That was cool that to be able to have friendships that I was able to get through through the ABC connections, but mostly just having that experience of going down to St. Martin and you know kind of running around New York. My dad sold oil back in the '80s and kind of running around New York in the '80s and like he basically sold oil to the projects and you know they used him as the gatekeeper to get to the project. So you know it was just a really interesting experience to be able to spend that time with him in New York, and then also have that experience of seeing sort of a, a French and Dutch community get moshed together on a small mm-hmm. island is always kind of interesting down in St. Martin. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Jonathan, you're you're a part of a, a sort of unique division at UBS Financial Services. I want to ask you to tell us a little bit about what's going on over there these days and, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, so we have a team called Affinity Wealth Partners. It's myself and two other business partners. We manage a little over a billion dollars. So we're not a huge team, but we're not a small team at the same time. And, you know, we're really trying to bring our services to families and individuals 
ultimately remanage the money of which those families and individuals create. Think about a typical, you know, wealthy family has anything from, you know, their family trust to charitable endeavors, and maybe they have some retirement accounts and things of that nature. So they all have various entities, but it's ultimately the same goal is, is, you know, what is all this wealth really here to do? And beyond just your basic needs, you know, what do you want to do with your wealth? So we get into a lot more, I'm more of a financial therapist, I say, than a, than a financial advisor. And, you know, that's 90% of my job is being a financial therapist. I like that financial therapist because uh, money can be scary for some people. So I would assume it's definitely a lot of consulting and and also making people feel comfortable with where they're placing their, their dollars. Yeah, you know, it's an evolution, right? So most people hire us to get some sort of return, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, here, I have this pool of money and I want you to make money from my money. It ends up becoming so much more than that. Right. It ends up becoming like, okay, now that I've achieved my goals and I got to my number, right? Because everyone has this number that they want to get to. But once they get to that number, then it just becomes another number. So it's really not about the number. It's about so much more. And that's where like our value as an advisor, ultimately my value as an advisor is. And then if you start putting the black lens to that, I think it starts to get even more interesting. So, you know, refocus so much more on not just the number, it's the everything else part. Mm. That's where the therapy part comes in. Mm. So yeah, that's, you know, that's where our value is because the markets are becoming so efficient and being able to, you know, invest monies is becoming easier with technology. It's our values is all of the other part. I call it the resources of wealth. Gotcha. Okay. And I want to come back to that in a minute, Jonathan, the resources of, of wealth, but take us back a little bit. If you can share with the listeners a little bit about your career path, how did you get to the, to the role that you're in today? It's funny. I always like, I talk to younger kids about this all the time. And a lot of times, you know, people are like, well, how'd you get into this? And how'd you do this? And how do you manage this, you know, much money or whatever? You know, it's really about just kind of like letting the universe provide for you and taking advantage of those things that it does provide. So for me, I never I never thought about being a financial advisor. It just so happened that I fell into the business when I moved out here to California and I just stayed with it. I've been doing it for 20 plus years and you know, every time I wanted to pivot and do something different, I was like, "You know what? Let me just stay a little bit longer. Let me, you know, get a little bit more experience." And I just kept chipping away at that experience part. So I started on know, a major team and was part of, you know, just being sort of a junior person on a team and working my way on up. So, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with some people call it luck, some people call it the universe. For me, it's the universe and just sticking with it. You know, it's, I've been doing the same thing. I've been bunting a long time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And maybe this leads us back to sort of being, you know, that valuable resource that, that you were talking about earlier, but what keeps you going and, and what you're doing? Like, what do you love about your job or your day to day? Yeah. I, you know, I've made a very conscious effort to bring the services, my services to the black community. Mm-hmm. That's what gets me up every day is to, to see where in my mind, a tremendous opportunity is and where I think financial services as an industry has really faulted our community to a degree. And I want to be part of that conversation and to, to change that, right? So I always say Procter & Gamble and Nike figured out how to get to our community. It's just that that's on the wrong side of the balance sheet, right? You know, we need to start thinking about that trillion dollars in spending that they always talk about our community as. It's a trillion dollars in savings, right? Mm-hmm. That changes the narrative. Like go and buy your Nikes, but don't buy three pair, buy one and buy two shares of stock. 
same price. Guess who's going to give you more value over time, right? And so that that's the kind of conversations that I want to be a part of. You know, it's not just me. I'm not not ego in that, but you know, I just want to be a part of that conversation that to help change some of the negative connotations that are surrounding our community. That's fascinating. You know, Jonathan, uh, I want to ask you about going back to how you got started down your career path. Where did that start? You know, was it coming out of school or how did that happen for you? Again, I think it's like sort of that universe conversation, right? So, so I, I kind of fell into it. I moved out to LA and I, and I thought I was going to do one thing and I pivoted into this industry really by someone saying, Hey, do you know such and such? And they put me in touch with that person. We ended up having coffee. That person ended up managing money, a family that I grew up with in Connecticut. Mm. How is that even possible? Right. <laughs> and I grew up in the business under his tutelage for, you know, almost 20 years, 18 years total, and then decided to make a decision to bet on myself and, you know, start my own team. And so, you know, sort of left that 18 year relationship with him, which was, you know, a whole nother conversation. But, you know, really, I think it's, it's really just about kind of taking what the world provides and just sort of chip away at it. You know, like it's not anything that I was expecting at all, but I love it. And now, you know, mirroring passion with purpose is a whole, it brings a whole nother level to the industry and to the job. Yeah, that's cool. You, you mentioned having, you know, worked under someone and with someone that sort of helped you to understand the business and, and grow. How do you work with others today now having, you know, sort of worked with someone? Do you work with others in the same way? Yeah. So I mentioned it's it's myself and two other business partners. So we are a team. One of my business partners was a good friend for 20 years as well beforehand. And so that was a whole nother, you know, sort of experience of of really trying to figure out a way to work together. Because you know when you have friendships, the one thing you do have is trust. And you have integrity together, but it's like, you know, a marriage, right? It's work to be able to communicate and, and communicate in the right style is not to piss off everybody. And, and when you're friends, things get a little bit more heated because it's a little bit more personal. So we worked a lot, several years on just figuring out ways to better communicate with each other. And we've been able to get past that and, and really build a team around us. We have, you know, four or five other employees total, including our interns. And so it's just great to to know that we're providing opportunity for them to be able to you know grow and build and and come up in this business as well. Jonathan, what's it like being a black man in the world of finance and financial uh, services? It's interesting. You know, my mom always told me, Jonathan, you deserve to be in the room. Just when you get there, you know, make sure your shoes are shoes are shined and mm-hmm. shut your mouth, basically. And so there was a lot of that for a long time. And really the last few years, I maybe it's a function of getting older. Maybe it's a function of the business being more secure. Maybe it's a function of myself being more secure in myself. But at the end of the day, I'm not quiet anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know I deserve to be in the room. And now that I'm here, I want to bring that room to others. And so that's really what it's about for me. But it, there is challenges, right? There's not a lot of us, but I always... You know, any room I walk into, especially when I'm in the room by myself, right? I still have that same sort of feel of I deserve to be in the room. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I, I'm curious about coming up to that that understanding. I'm guessing you ran into moments of discrimination and moments you had to sort of work through. What was that like? Can you take us through what that experience is like? 
Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in an all-white town, so <laughs> I've been facing discrimination, quote, quote, sort of all my life. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really necessarily look at it as a negative. Mm-hmm. I look at it as an ignorance. And I really look at it as not with ego, right? Because that's where it gets like, you know, sort of tough, right? Because it's, you start thinking like, oh, it's it's about me. It's really not necessarily about you, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, for me, I look at it as my goal of wanting to become managing director, as an example, that would be the next level up from where I am. It's not about the money that comes with it and whatever else. It's about the fact that it can be done. Like that's my motivation. And so I just want to be able to do this at the highest level, primarily so that others can come behind me because I'm coming up behind others before me. And to me, that's what true community is about. And I think we need to get, you know, to me, back to that a little bit here. And, you know, that's my motivation literally every day. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing, you know, your personal experiences there. How do you think you develop that insight besides sort of personal experience? Have, do you feel like anybody, family or any mentors or anyone helped to shape that confidence and shape that understanding? Hell no. I think I'm just wired that way. Like I just see a negative opportunity as a positive opportunity. When the markets are down, that's when I shine. You know, I, I, I don't like it when everything's Goldilocks, kind of like it is right now in the economy. Like everything's great and it makes me yeah. more nervous. Right? It makes me more nervous now than it does when like 18 months ago or 16 months ago when the markets were falling apart. Like that's when I'm like back to straight up and I'm like ready to go. You know, now when it's like, I'm like looking under every rock trying to figure out what the hell is next to drop. So, yeah. you know, I'm kind of that way. I'm just sort of wired that way. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, I just think that like, we just gotta, we gotta have that ability, like all this like discrimination, all this stuff, like it served its purpose up until now, like it's over. I'm tired of it, you know, and it's time to just like, look at things from a different lens. Hmm. Jonathan, I know you've been living out in, in LA for some time now with your family. I know you have two daughters. Love to always ask this question and get people's perspective on work-life balance. And is there actually such a thing? Uh, I mean, you know, probably not really, right? Because, you know, I don't want to be too balanced because then it goes back to my other comment, like, you know, then things are just too good. And I, I always have a North Star, right? Hmm. Like, I just feel like that that's that's sort of human nature is like, there's this North star of like wanting to achieve something, wanting to get to something. And, and in order to get to something, you got to be a little off balance to get there. Right. And so that may be in my like growth and spirituality, that may be in a better father, that may be being, you know, the best financial advisor I can be boyfriend to my girlfriend, you know, whatever it is, there's going to be moments and times of imbalance to get you to balance. Right. That's like, I'm just thinking about the, like, you know, the seesaw, right? And so to me, that's the North Star, right? Is to always constantly look for balance, but you're never going to truly, I don't ever really want to truly achieve it, right? Because I, I think you got to kind of push yourself a little bit in certain things. Like sometimes I'm going to be a better father and ignore work more than I would normally do when I'm trying to be the best financial advisor and mm-hmm. ignore the kids a little bit, you know? So it's this ebb and flow. 
I guess, gotcha. to answer your, your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, Eric and I are both fathers as well, too. And it's something that we always talk about, sort of work-life balance. And I think people have to figure out what works best for them, right? I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all when it, when it comes to that. So what are you reading these days? What are you consuming these days to stay on top of your profession to make sure that like you've got the latest news and information? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the guy who reads a little bit of everything from the Bloomberg's to the BBC's to the LA Times and New York Times. I'm constantly reading news because, you know, when you're sitting there talking with a client, you want to be up to date on what's going on in the world and Mm -hmm. how that pertains to their investments and what they're doing from an investment perspective. So you, you kind of want to be somewhat well, to get back to your word, balanced around that information. I don't do a lot of sports stuff, which is crazy, but I, I don't spend any time on sports stuff because I don't really have a lot of clients that talk about sports. And then my sports clients don't want to talk about sports either. So <laughs> those are athletes and stuff. So it's like, I'm not trying to follow people's statistics and things. And I'm always telling my athlete clients or whatever, like, you know, I'm just not going to ever be your fan, you know, just like this is the way it is, but I will be your fan. I'll make money and you being a great father or, you know, whatever. But to answer your question, I mean, that's, that's kind of the stuff I'm always between a thriller and I'm always between a spiritual book. You know, I got three magic words on my, on my desk right now and I'm reading some sort of thriller. I don't even remember the name of it, but you know, I always got two books going on at the same time too. Nice, nice, nice. What advice would you give to anyone out there that might be uh, graduating from school this year that's looking to enter the financial services industry? Yeah. So on the wealth management side, I'd say join a team. This whole industry is going towards teaming. You get to learn sort of, you know, there's two avenues within the wealth management space, whether it's the analytical route and you want to manage the money be sort of like an analyst or you know CFA type who's going to ultimately manage the assets. Or there's like the sales and sort of being in front of clients, client-facing side of the business. And being on a team gives you an opportunity to learn both. And then you pivot to where your strengths are. You know, I did this whole thing thinking I was going to be an analyst behind the scenes and I missed being in front of people. Right. Mm. And so like I went to the other side of the conversation as time went on. So don't try to fit yourself into a box, get both sides of the experience and see where, you know, you naturally gravitate towards. And that's, you know, on the wealth management side of things, if you really get a chance to see sort of both sides. Gotcha. I love that in terms of, you know, keeping your options open and and don't just pigeonhole yourself into one part of the industry. Love, love that advice. Love that advice. Yeah. So fun question. I love asking every guest we have on the podcast, which is to give us the top three apps that you use on your phone, which you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Definitely, I'd have to say like, you know, one of the CNBC or BBC or Bloomberg, you know, news apps for sure. Gosh, I'm really a tech guy. I'm definitely LinkedIn because I I found there is a power in like, branding yourself and connecting with people in this digital world. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly LinkedIn, I'm, I'm constantly trying to, you know, be proactive and reactive to. And then third, it got to throw in like your Sonos app or something because, you know, I'm constantly cooking for the kids <laughs> or whatever. And I got to have music because it's always a dance party when we're cooking. So there it is. I, I, I throw that third one in there. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, a lot of our listeners like to stay in touch 
what are some ways that they can stay in touch with you? It sounds like maybe LinkedIn might be one of them, but what are, yeah. what are some ways they can follow you? and stay in touch? Yeah. So I'm just now building a, an Instagram page. I'm, I'm having someone I'm working with build an Instagram page for me now. So I don't have a handle yet. I don't, I think it's called a handle, <laughs> but yeah, definitely on LinkedIn, you know, Jonathan Hodge, you just, you know, if you put in UBS, I'll pop right up. And then if you just Google Jonathan Hodge and UBS, you can get to my website and all my, my personal information there as well. Excellent. Well, thanks again for hanging with us and sharing a lot about yourself and your experiences and, you know, sharing about how some of the things you go through that might be negative at the beginning can actually turn out to be real positives in the end. Thank you for your, your courage to tell us about different parts of your life. And uh, we appreciate that. So. For the audience, thanks for hanging with us. And you can find more episodes where you find all of your audio. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Take care. Thanks, guys. And thank you both for doing what you're doing and, and putting people out there on a platform that gives them the chance to see folks like themselves. We need a lot more positive platforms like this in the world to show us that it's, it can be done. So thank you both. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you.